From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 389. Today's show is brought to you by Indeed, Text Expander, and Memberful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very good. It's just the two of us today, and luckily, ConnectedIntro.com was right on the money, because the beginning for this episode is Mike introduces Federico. You're supposed to then introduce Stephen, but Stephen's not here. Stephen's on vacation this week. But uh, luckily, it worked out, because otherwise, we'd be lost. Well, I can introduce Stephen. Hey, Stephen. But then, you know, crickets. Howdy, (laughs) y'all. iPhone. (laughs) You picked up a bit of an accent. I was in Memphis, wasn't I? You know, so Mm -hmm. I picked it up. Um, I must address a catastrophe once again. Uh, We forgot to do the closing ceremonies again (laughs) in the Rickies. Uh, We didn't do them. So I don't know what to tell you. The, I guess the good thing is this time there was nothing to change because right. you remained keynote chairman, so you retain your uh, place. So I didn't. We didn't need to move any of the things around. Nobody had to move their mag trickies around. But I don't know if you want to light a candle for yourself and sing a little song like an anthem, you can do that. Um, but. We apologize. The, the whole Connected Podcast regrets forgetting the closing ceremonies for the second time in a row. Yeah, well, uh, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, today, as we're recording, Mac Studio and S- Apple Studio Display Reviews are dropping. We had a whole episode planned uh, <laughs> before that, which is uh, quite a bit of it specifically non-Steven-focused. So I figure we'll just do these. We'll talk about these next week. Honestly, as well, like I love you, Federico, but I, I would like to hear what Stephen has to say about these I reviews. I mean, sure. I mean, you, you know, know. Uh, so we're probably going to talk about them next week because as well, like I don't think either of us have had the chance to read all of them. I've looked over some and there seems to be uh, some upset about the webcams on the studio display um, and the Mac studio people seem very happy with. Uh, obviously, I'm going to talk to Jason about an upgrade next week, and then on Connected next week, we'll get into it as well. I don't yeah. know if anyone will have them. Is it too early? When are they coming out? Do you remember what the earliest tomorrow. day was? Really? Tomorrow? On the 18th, isn't it? Wow. It, I didn't know that. Is that when that, those things are coming out? Because my display yeah. is like, I'm not going to get to April. Like I ordered it immediately, but I got the one with the arm, right? The, and so they were already backdated i think at the moment that they weren't on sale so my my estimated delivery date is the end of march to early april so i don't know i know steven's ordered a mac studio i don't know what his date's like but maybe if we're even more lucky he'll have it for next week so we can talk about his own thoughts but i don't remember what his um what his review date was uh, his uh delivery date was mm-hmm. although knowing him he'll like go to an apple store and just buy one and then return the other one and mm. you know it's i mean like. it's gonna do that but, but so I hope that by next week we'll mm-hmm. have more details on two things. That okay. like I was skimming the reviews, I was reading. Yep. Uh, I saw Jason's review, the one on the Verge. Yeah, um, there's they're all good one. Reviews. There are good reviews. There's another one, a really good one by Stu Mashwitz uh, on on their personal blog. So two questions I have. Uh, the the first one is uh, all the issues that. The Verge and Joanna Stern at the, at the Wall Street Journal, these issues with the webcam in the studio display. Yep. Um, both uh, outlets reported and, and showed examples of this 
kind of horrible uh, camera quality yep. uh, for the built-in camera on the studio display. And Apple told them that something in the camera pipeline isn't working right and they will be working on a software update to improve this. I'm intrigued to see what they mean to improve this. Like, can it look better than what those images look right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because maybe the, the the ISP isn't working right? Is it because like those images are supposed to be optimized more, be less grainy? I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Uh, and the second thing I am intrigued by is the GPU... Um, sort of the GPU story of the M1 Ultra. So Apple said at their event, they basically made the claim that the M1 Ultra could outperform something like an RTX uh, 3090, right? A graphics card from NVIDIA, the the latest gen 3090. Uh, But in both, uh, like I was checking out benchmarks in Stu Mashwitz's story, as well as on The Verge, and The Verge just straight up said, we don't know how Apple can make such claims. Yeah, I saw Monica Chin's video. And she's, okay. she's just like, I don't understand <laughs> right. what they were testing for the GPU. So, yeah, right. I don't know about that either. And here's an interesting tweet that a friend of the show, St- uh, Steve Townsmith, sent me that I'm going to also forward to you. Oh, Mike. I love a good tweet. So please yes. forward it to me. Uh, so apparently the, G- the Geekbench 5 compute, so the GPU benchmark, is broken on Apple Silicon, according to Anantech. Um because basically they say the GPU compute is too short in bursts and the GPU isn't ramping up to peak frequencies. Just ignore it. So maybe the, the benchmark tool actually isn't optimized for Apple Silicon yet, which may suggest why the M1 Ultra is not performing as well as Apple thinks and says it should be performing. Hmm. So this is an interesting story. Uh, that I want to follow up on next week because to make such bold claims, you know, to say it's just as performant, if not even more, than the top-of-the-line graphics card from the competition. and They always like to say this, but we know what they mean. And those numbers don't actually add up. But if there may be a reason, and the reason being, well, it's actually the benchmark tool that everybody's using that is broken, well, that's, a, that's an intriguing story. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on this, I guess. Hmm. All right. Right? It's uh, strange. We'll see. I mean, I don't know, but it looks looks like a good machine. I'm still excited about my display. The webcam never works for me anyway. I've explained that on the show. I'm going to do... Honestly, at this point, maybe it's pointless for me to make my big claim that I want to make about the webcam never working if the fact that the webcam looks terrible anyway, so I'd want to use a different one. We will see. Uh, iOS 15.4 is out now. Um, Obviously, this is not news to anyone, but I now have installed 15.4, and I love the mask unlock feature. It's so good. I feel like I've gone to not thinking about Face ID again, which has not been the way for like two years. You know, like at first, when Touch ID was replaced by Face ID, it was one of the great things we would say is like, you don't even think about unlocking your phone anymore, right? Like, or you don't, you just, it just does it for you. But then I had to start thinking about it again because at first it just wasn't working when I was wearing masks, right? And then I started wearing the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch won't let you forget, right? Because it, taps you every single time so like you're Mm -hmm. aware of it like you're just really aware of it 
Um, and now uh, I don't have to think about it again because it just works. And the thing that I really love about this over uh, the Apple Watch is that it works with Apple Pay, it works with 1Password, it works with my banking apps, right? So really it's just true like face ID as it was intended, which and I'm really enjoying it. And yeah, I've seen people in the Discord, I've seen people on Twitter, like just in time for people to stop wearing masks. Not me though. <laughs> I mean, like you can go and do what you want. And like, you know, obviously I... No, obviously, I am wearing masks less in certain places than I did before, but I'm still wearing them a lot of the time. Yeah, and so, like, you know. I see these people saying things like, oh, first time going to the supermarket without a mask on. And I'm like, what are you doing? Then make like your this- own choices, you know, if that's what you yeah, want to do. Like, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Okay. You know, and I don't. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but I, this thing you know. isn't over. So, oh. I mean, sure, I would have loved to have this two years ago, mm-hmm. you know? Like, but not because like now I'm oh I'm not I'm not masking up anymore. No, because I've gone two years <laughs> with face ID being incompatible with with masks. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have it two years ago. And like what I says, look, you know, in the UK now there are no more mask laws, but people wear them all the time. Not everyone, but honestly, uh, from my own experience, I'm seeing as many people wearing masks now by and large as I was when we had mask rules because it's like there are people that want people that want and I'm fine with it like you know I've said this before and I mean it like airplane travel and stuff I'm always going to wear masks now like mm-hmm. trains like I'm I it would be it will be years before as I've said this I I don't I wish I could find a clip of me saying this but I was looking into these kinds of things before COVID because I would see some people wearing face masks on planes and I was like, that's a really good idea. I want to do that, but I could never find them like to you buy. You talked about this on Cortex. I pro- I we probably did. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, this is something I wanted to do because I was getting a little bit, not paranoid, I can't think of the word, but like overcautious of this stuff because I wanted yeah, to try... And, f- and find ways to mitigate the amount of times that I would get sick coming back from trips. Yeah. Yeah, like right now, I've got then. like some kind of cold like thing, done a bunch mm-hmm. of COVID tests, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But like you just get it when you're traveling. It's just yeah. a thing, right? And so I, I I ended up like I was using hand sanitizer more, all that kind yep. of stuff. And it was going great for me. And I was like, oh, face mask could be a thing. Anyway, so I'm going to keep wearing them way more than I ever would have before. And whenever I am wearing them, now I have uh, my iPhone working the way that I want. Something I thought was cool was the whole setup process. There were two things I liked about it. Uh, One I just thought was clever, where they were like, um, when it started the process, it was like, you know, remove your mask if it's safe to do so. I was like, oh, well thought out, right? Don't just tell people to remove their masks. I did the face ID thing, and now it's like, now take off your glasses. I was like, oh, you're smart. Oh, you know. You're smart. Like, I just thought that was really incredible, right? Like, because it it could detect, because I know you can do the, like, the glasses and no glasses thing, and I just left my glasses on because I always wear my glasses, right? It'd be, I'm, that's how I would naturally do it. And it was like, take them off. I was like, oh, it's so smart. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to mention when we're talking about this, and I know you were talking about this, everyone's talking about this, that the EU COVID passes can be put into wallet. Yes. The UK ones work as well. Oh, nice. I nice. haven't seen this reported in any way. I don't know if this is a 15.4 thing, but I scanned the so- QR code that I get from the NHS app. You can get a wallet, like just a, a standard wallet pass that expires. I think you get like three months on them. They're called travel passes. And you get a new one every time. I scanned that code that the wallet pass gives me, and it 
like going through the same process. I don't remember off the top of my head, but you, I think you outlined it in your review or linked to the uh, support document for how to do it. I'm pretty sure, right? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I think you linked to a support document because that was how I ended up finding it. Because I looked at your review to be like, oh, did you mention if it was just the EU or not? Because um, I think that was what Apple said. So I went through the same uh, process that nice. it recommends. And it worked for me, and I've got the pink card, and it says uh, nice. my doses and all that kind of like stuff. Like verified, so. um, what's it called? Um, I- immunization something. Yeah, um, let me look yeah. at it. Uh, I've got the pink one. It says vaccine, dose two of two I put in there because I wasn't sure if I should do the booster one because a lot of places just want the two of two thing. I don't know why, but... And it says at the bottom EU DCC. I don't know what it oh, means, yeah. but that's I mean it's the it's the digital uh, COVID certificate or something like that. It's the the open standard that yep. the EU is using. So because yeah, I nice. know that the EU recognizes the UK's system, so maybe we're somehow squeezed in with all of that. Because even Apple is saying it's the EU vaccine certificate. Well, the NHS, the UK, we have our own, right? Mm-hmm. Which I mean. We would have done that anyway, because that's just what we're like, you know. Like, but anyway, like if Brexit or no Brexit, we would have done our own vaccine certificate thing. I could promise you that. Uh, and so we have that, and it works great, and it works just the way that I would want it to. And I got the little pink thing, and now it's there. So I don't know if it will expire, because as I say, like the, the ones that we get from the NHS app, they have like a three-month expiry, and then you just refresh it again. I don't know why that's the case, but I'm sure there's some reason for it. Um but yeah, now I've got the little pink one too, so I could be cool like all of you Europeans. It's amazing. Nice. Uh, nice. I tried out Universal Control for the first time, and I thought this is cool. I'm never going to use it. Hmm. Why I just is don't. That? I just what? But what am I going to use? So you tell me, right? What? Because I know you. I read your iPad Air review. We're going to talk about it in a bit. What are you? How often are you finding yourself, and why? You know, use um, it. Quite often, um, usually just to, like when I'm working on the Mac, which is more often these days, I like yeah, just coming keep... back. He's coming back. Well, I, uh, I th- I'm more of a hybrid. Yeah, that's point, me, right? I think. I'm a hybrid too. But I mean, yeah. work stuff is all Mac, but then entertainment and fun has happened on the iPad. Uh, it's more that, that I feel like I have to. And shortcuts for Mac was really, you know the catalyst of this yeah. you know hey, well. But, yeah well but yeah it's uh, it's that anyway um it's useful for me m- mostly to keep either discord or tweetbot mostly tweetbot open on the side so that i don't have to use tweetbot mm. on the mac interesting which okay. is it's the old version on the mac um and it, i also prefer like it's uh, it's so it's mostly just either tweetbot or iMessage, and it's a way for me to like reward myself basically every few minutes, uh, w- like when I'm working in shortcuts and I'm and I'm you know and I'm ra- and I'm testing these complex shortcuts and stuff. Every few minutes, it's like giving myself a little candy, like here's your <laughs> your reward. You can scroll Twitter for thirty <laughs> seconds. Okay, and and it's nice to do that. Does the a, iPad a, stay unlocked? Well, mine does uh, because I it. said the I yeah. lit the the auto lock. I always oh set to never on my devices. Well, Federico Vitici used to be, I think, auto lock never brightness one hundred percent. Right now, the brightness I gave up. Yeah, because you should. But the auto lock, I didn't. <laughs> All right, 
Yeah, the brightness is it's fine. Sometimes I still disagree with the system, and so I manually raise the brightness in control center, but then it goes down after a while automatically again. So that I gave up though as a habit. But the auto lock set to never, that's you know, I I am never gonna give that up. Um so yeah, it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it's um I'm full of I'm, I'm full of puns today, so mm -hmm. it's a good job. Um it's nice to keep it there on the side, and it's also nice to, uh, this is very specific to me, but hey, you ask me. Um, it's nice when I want to keep, when I'm writing shortcuts and I have, for example, one shortcut open on the Mac and another for reference on the iPad, uh, that's usually like very useful to have those two things going on side by side because maybe I'm using like the same technique that I've used in another shortcut or, uh, you know, something similar basically like uh, i need to have that second monitor for reference to right. check out things that i'm doing in shortcuts okay and now i can just move there with the same trackpad that i'm using on the macbook that all that stuff that stuff is really cool and i see these are legitimate uses for you like i'm not like oh federico's just making up you know but it's just for me i just don't i'm not sure what I would use it for. Maybe I need to give it more of a try, you know? To be honest as well, the way my desk is set up, I'm just not really good for that right now. Maybe I need would need to think about that a little bit. Uh, we'll see, but... I, what I'm saying is, it makes perfect sense for you. I get it. Um, I can see why you would use it. I just don't know if it fits for me, to be honest. My, my you know, like, the main monitor that I use is really big. Like, I can just put everything on it. Maybe I'll change my mind when I have to shrink it down a bit to go to the Mac Studio. Because, like, I have a 32-inch display right now, and I'll be going down to 27. Let's see how I feel about that. Hmm. Uh, any other highlights in 15.4 that you wanted to mention before we move uh, on? The one I want to mention is they brought the iPad mini um, sort of smart volume controls to all iPads. Love this. So now you can disable the fixed um, volume uh, button position setting. If you go to settings, sounds, you're going to find this new option. And if you turn it, if you turn it off, uh, now the volume buttons will follow the orientation of your iPad. Uh, so basically it works like on the iPad mini where the button on the right always raises the volume and the button on the left um, always uh, lowers the volume. Basically following how the volume slider works in software. Uh, this was a feature of the iPad mini in September and now they made it optional for all iPad users. And I, I disabled this setting so that now all my iPads, they behave like the iPad mini. Uh, I think it's nice so that you, you just need to think about left goes down, right goes up. And I'm sure it's vice versa if you're using a left to right language uh, mm -hmm. setting on your device. Super nice. Um, so a couple of shortcuts changes. We mentioned this before. Um, you can now tag reminders in the reminders actions for shortcuts. But there's no action to get a list of all your tags. So that would be nice to have in the future. And the other change is the new notify when run toggle in personal automations. This toggle, you can now, uh, well, it appears if you, it's kind of complicated to explain. So personal automations. It was already possible before to disable a toggle called ask when running. Uh, basically, this toggle allowed you to say there's an automation that 
is happening, you know, because of a of a location trigger or because yeah. of a of a schedule, whatever. Uh, I don't need to manually confirm this automation anymore. Great, that was already possible mm-hmm. in fifteen point four. If you disable uh, ask when running, a second toggle appears <laughs> called <sighs> notify when run. <laughs> That it's basically it depends on whether you disable the first toggle, right? <laughs> so if if the first <laughs> setting is disabled, that. and another toggle appeared, another toggle appeared, <laughs> another random toggle appeared, <laughs> a wild toggle appears. Um, That's good. And if you disable that, you won't even be told that the that an automation ran in the background. So you will not get a notification every time an automation runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this. However, doesn't mean that the system tells you nothing at all because after a while, you may still get a summary from iOS that tells you, hey, recently, 15 automations ran in the background and you can long press that notification to get a list of all those automations and you can disable them, you know, just if you're like, hey, I don't want this to run anymore in the background. So. You may you can disable the individual alerts, but there's no way to escape from the summary that Apple is gonna send you at some point. Thoughts on the summary? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's, I, I get it. Like I get what they're doing. It like mm-hmm. they they I get the sense that they are extremely careful about o- progressively opening up shortcuts to power users. Yeah. Um. So. I get what they're doing this in steps. I still think though that this uh notify when run option should also be available for shortcuts that you add to the home screen as icons. Yeah. Yep. In that case, you you'll still get the alert every time you tap an icon in 15.4. Okay. And lastly, SharePlay has seen some improvements. Apple is trying to make it easier to to go from not being in a SharePlay session to be in a shared session with people over FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And the way they're doing this is you're going to start seeing SharePlay buttons inside apps that basically remove a step from the process. So before it used to be you need to start a FaceTime call on your own, then you need to open an app, then you need to share the content. Now they are removing one step from this process, which is you're in an app that is compatible with SharePlay. You tap a SharePlay button, you start the FaceTime call right there, and the SharePlay session is already activated. So they're trying to remove some friction from the starting a call and starting a shared session uh, thing. Great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Never used it? Don't think I ever will. Right. Yeah. I'm just not interested in share play. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, keep adding to it if you you know what I mean. Like if you think that there's like that one feature, you add it, and now everyone's going to exactly. use it. But I don't think that they've gotten there yet. I think it's fun. I think I, I like. I get why this feature exists. Um, I'm not gonna use it. I think a lot of people. Ca- I think some people really care about it. And, yeah. you know, it's better. You never know how this pandemic is going to go, right? So yeah. I guess hey, better to have this than not to have it. I would like to, to know, it. connected listeners, passionate ones, send me a tweet. Like, if you use SharePlay, 
Like, and this yes. is this is a no judgment. This is a judgment free zone, right? I just want to know, like, if you use SharePlay for something and you really like it, send me a tweet. I want to know what it is because I feel like this is a feature that I don't understand, right? Like, what what it's for? Like, obviously, I understand what it's for, but you know what? I mean? Like, I don't know what the realistic use cases that people are finding with SharePlay. And so mm-hmm. I would like to know if you are if you're gonna te- text me if you're gonna tweet at me and tell me you use Disney Plus's stream. No, it's not what I want to know. I want to specifically share play. I want to know. And yes. Zach has sent one in. Obviously, tech support. Don't send me about that one because yes. that's the obvious that one, one right? Yeah. Really, that's all it should be. Tech support. Fantastic. I haven't had to do that yet, but it sounds like a great use for it. And like I'm talking about the things that Apple likes to say that people are gonna do with it, right? Mm-hmm. So I would love to know. Anything else in 15.4 that you're excited about? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think we mentioned all the big things that mm-hmm. that, that matter. Um, Pretty chunky release, right? Yes, yes. It's it's the big like sort of miscellaneous release. Mm-hmm. They there's still a few things that they haven't shipped that they announced last year. Some uh, what was it with the wallet keys or something like there oh, was? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's still yeah. some features that still haven't made the cut in the 15 cycle, but Mark Gurman said uh, 15.5 oh is going to happen and it'll come out at WWDC. Sort of like last year, uh, a version of 14 came mm. out during WWDC and it was the one that enabled um, lossless and spatial audio in June 2021. So uh, it's not unusual to yeah. have one final release in June at this point. Federico, will you allow me to do a little bit of uh, cross promotion yeah, for I mean, a moment? It's your, it's your network, man. I guess. I guess I am running the show the today, boss. right? So who, yeah. can st- who can stop me? You know, I could just if you tried to stop me, I could just edit you out, which would be right. interesting. Uh, I have a new show here on Relay FM. It's kind of like a repositioning of an old show. So uh, I've been working with Austin Evans for the last couple of years on a show called The Test Drivers. Over time, really all me and us have wanted to talk about is Formula One. We love Formula One racing. So we're starting a show called The Backmarkers, which is exactly that. And we're doing a couple of things that are a little bit different. We're only going to record on race weekends. So there are like 20 race weekends a year in Formula One. It's like the whole hmm. season. And we are going to be going live after every race, giving our reactions to the race that we've just seen. And it's going to be an audio podcast but also, and probably primarily, a video podcast. We're going to be streaming live on YouTube for after every race. So we haven't worked out the exact timing, but it's like probably within 15 to 30 minutes of each race ending. We will go live on our YouTube channel, and you can come along and watch, and you can hang out with us, and we're going to be talking about what we've just seen. And over time, we're working on some fun segments to bring into the show too. And of course, we will then release the video and audio after the stream so people can uh, check it out afterwards as well so there's going to be a there is a youtube channel and there is also uh, a podcast feed on the relay fm website that you can go and check out Uh, i'll put a link in the show notes to both but you know you know i love a good url so you can go to backmarkers.live and backmarkers.fm they're the nice like the video and the audio Uh, if you are interested in formula one check it out if you're not interested in formula one watch drive to survive on netflix then you'll be interested in formula one and then you can come and enjoy uh mine and austin's new show um so yeah that's going to be available uh in both of those places starting this sunday it's when the formula one season kicks off 
Uh, and it's this is going to be an interesting season, Federico, because they've changed the way that all the cars are designed. So everything could be huh. turned on its head. So they've all had to make new cars. And so there is a possibility that uh, some of the teams could be in a very different place. So it feels like okay. a really good time to start the show, too, because we're entering a new era of uh, Formula One. Very cool. Very cool. I'm really excited about this project because I get to do some some video stuff too. Uh, you know, we do, we're going to be streaming. You know, it's really, it's like an adaptation of the keyboard streaming stuff that I've been doing. I've learned a bit yes. more about how to yes. do this. Um, and so, uh, and it's also fun to work with someone who really understands video uh, in Austin and how we're going to make this work. So I'm very excited about it. Very nice. So go to, go to backmarkers.fm, relay.fm slash backmarkers, and you can check it out. And I'll put some links in the show notes too. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. You're successful in business because you love doing the research, whether it's the state of the market or the right next hire. But when you're low on hours and you still want to do a great job on hiring, who do you go to for help? It's time for Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, so you can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Here's a stat for you. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash connected, offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash connected to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One last time, that is to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash connected. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Federico Vitici, I sense a Hi. disturbance in the force. Mm. I feel like mm. you've, you've, you've made some ripples, in, at least in my world over the mm. last 24 hours. Well, that was your, the goal, okay. Uh, <laughs> with your iPad Air review. Uh, I'm really intrigued about this. Now, I want to just talk about a few little things up top and then we'll get into what I think is going to be a bit of a meteor topic. So the first thing, which you had not mentioned to to us in our, in our uh, very popular group thread between the four of us, which mm-hmm. includes OTJ, of course, uh, is that you... And not using your iPad Mini anymore mm. uh, because of hand pain. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was like it was the first warning signs. Like it was nothing too terrible, uh-huh. but I felt like, especially in my left hand, which is the one that I was using to hold the iPad Mini, I was I started to feel like I couldn't properly. Like it's so weird to describe. I felt like my pinky finger and my ring finger like i couldn't move them anymore yeah and uh, and like the and like the lower half of my left hand was not as i don't know responsive as Mm. it like and i was feeling some pain in the in the wrist area and i was like "Mm, that's not 
good. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I've seen Mike go through this before. Yep. I've se- I've seen Sylvia's mom go through this before. That is not a good sign. And no. I need it seems like you are stressing. I've been stressing your hand. Like yeah. I I don't think I am. Um, I use my iPad mini in one hand as much as you were. I, I can imagine from the way you've described it in the past that you would basically just hold and scroll with like one hand. Yeah. I do yeah. still use it a lot as two-handed, like in that environment. Like if I'm just reading something, I'll just hold it, right? But I'll typically scroll with the other hand. I don't know why. Um, it's just how I've done it. And I think you, it sounds to me like you put too much strain on that hand by trying to manipulate it. Uh, in, in that way so I'm sorry to hear that well yeah um, so that that happened um, so you have evicted yourself from iPad mini club and at the same time like w- there was also the fact that Sylvia asked me like hey can do you think I could use the iPad mini mm. um, because it's you know it's more pocketable and it fits in her purse and it's easier to carry around mm-hmm. and I was like you know what sure and, you know, all of these things sort of happen at the same time. And th- I thought maybe this is a, could be a fun way to test the iPad Air and could give me a nice angle to try the iPad yep. Air if I were to use it as, as a regular iPad for iPad things, but also as my sort of secondary, you know, media consumption iPad instead of the mini. And that's how I approached uh, the, the review. So I have a few hardware-related things to ask you, and then I want to get into this bigger topic. Okay. So one, just as a note, this one's actually blue, which is great, um, as opposed to the previous iPad Air blue, which was silver. It's actually blue. Yeah. This this one is actually blue, and like the the one before, I got some. I saw some tweets from people saying, "Oh no, you! It's not as bad as you say it is. It's actually I was able to saw the. To, I was able to see the the capture the blue color of the old 2020 iPad Air, and I mean, sure, I'm sure in certain light lighting conditions you can uh-huh. see the blue tint." But this one, I'm telling you, you look at it, no matter what lighting situation you have going on, yeah. it's blue. Yeah, it's, so like, it's just that. that. That previous one, it's like the same with my purple um, iPad mini. You can see that it has yeah. the color in it. Yeah. But this one is unmistakably the color. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Like it's like, there's it's no way there. around it. Just it looks blue. It's yeah. blue. It's It's not like electric blue it's not too bright it's not too vibrant mm-hmm. it's it's still like a subtle color but it is it's a it's a real blue color and i assume that the other ones like the purple one will look exactly purple and so forth so i'm really happy about this because it's fun like you look at it uh, when you're using the ipad even when it's inside the magic keyboard and all you can see is the is the flat edge of the of the device and that is blue too so you can still see the color even if you're working with it on a magic keyboard and when you take it off of course the entire back is uh, you know it's got this new blue color that looks really lovely and fun mm-hmm. so finally they did a real color uh, hopefully this will continue on other devices and like because of the way that iPad hardware and software have moved along over the last few years, an iPad is an iPad, right? Like mm. no matter which one you have, it can do everything that the others can do by and large. 
so there are but there are some so effectively like you can use this like it's any ipad and it will work the same for you with the only real difference being screen size but it does have some hardware differences that i wanted to just like see if you miss the features compared to the pro so it has a usb c port instead of a thunderbolt port yeah do you miss that practically at all like the thunderbolt support i will say by the way your your review is worth reading if anything for your attempt to try and describe the differences (laughs) Uh, don't try and do it here it's too complicated i read that paragraph three times and i think i only kind of got it (laughs) yeah well like uh, the 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 different names for the same usb spec um it's that that's always fun to try and understand uh in in practice this means the iPad Pro supports Thunderbolt and USB 4, mm-hmm. and it transfers data up to 40 gigabit per second. Mm-hmm. And this one supports USB 3.1 Gen 2, or you can call it 3.2 Gen, Gen 2. For, anyway, it supports up to 10, so it's four times slower, in 10 gigabits per second instead of 40. In practice, for me personally, it doesn't really matter because I have one Thunderbolt drive in my life and it's plugged into my Intel NUC because it yep. stores my music library. Mm-hmm. That Thunderbolt drive I never use with the iPad or other devices. I have standard SSD yep. USB-C drives. So for me personally, it doesn't matter. I uh-huh. could see how... For some people who have really bought into the Thunderbolt ecosystem of accessories, this may be a problem because you plug in a Thunderbolt accessory into the iPad Air and you just get an error message yeah. saying this accessory is not supported on this <laughs> iPad. So yeah, uh, for me personally, no, uh, it's it's not a problem. Uh, the RAM change because <laughs> it has less RAM, right, than the Pro? Yeah, well, uh, this is a fun question. Can you even uh, objectively respond to this question on no, iPadOS? Like, really. do you? Uh, so it used know. to be that used to be that most apps on iPadOS were always capped at five gigabit five gigabytes of RAM mm-hmm. yeah, of usage all the time. And in iPadOS 15, so it was last year, Apple added this special entitlement that some developers can make a request for, and some of them will get approved to go over the limit of five gigabytes of RAM used mm. by their application. And Procreate, I know, can do this. I think Procreate can do this. Yeah. Again, I'm sure there will be a very specific niche of, I don't know, a thousand people worldwide for whom this matters. Like, they are artists, they work in Procreate, they really take advantage of 10, 12 gigabytes of RAM on their iPad Pro. One of the reasons we upgraded Adina's iPad Pro was because she could have more layers. Exactly. So So, I'm sure there will be people who actually say, you know, I need an iPad Pro because it lets me do 16 gigabytes of RAM mm-hmm. because I have this giant one or two gigabyte document in Procreate or Photoshop and I need the RAM to open it and to pan around, you know, hundreds of layers and whatever. And I totally get it. Like there's people who are going to do that. 
it all comes down still to you know me personally i'm not an artist i, I an artist i don't use these kinds of apps it for me i use safari shortcuts you know discord tweetbot uh, obsidian like it doesn't uh-huh. matter for me now it would be a different conversation if only this RAM could be used by the system in other ways, but I guess that's a, 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 a segment of this topic you want to get to in a, in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask two more of these. Uh, do you miss promotion? Hmm. Kind of. Um, I, I can see. That's the possibly the, the thing I'm missing the most. Okay. Um, from the iPad Pro, I think... The promotion display, I can really appreciate on large displays. I really appreciate it on the Mac. I really appreciate it on the iPad, more so than on the Mac, because of how animations are designed on iPad. You know, with the how, like when you lo- when you open apps on iPad, they zoom in and they zoom out, and you can really appreciate the promotion refresh rate there. On the iPhone, I can see the faster refresh rate. I don't think it's a big deal as it is on the iPad. So in going to the iPad Air, the screen feels a little sluggish and I can see the difference. And when I was I was uh, doing some sketches with the Apple Pencil and I could see that the Apple Pencil was not, you know, the ink was not appearing as quickly on screen as it does on the iPad Pro. And that's because, you know, the, the display is pulling, you know, for mm. new data uh, twice as fast on the iPad Pro. So... I can see the difference, and that is the one thing I noticed the most. I would also mention, because we're talking about the display, uh, the the XDR quality of the twelve point nine, right? Uh, the the mini oh, LED yeah, display. Oh yeah, especially compared to the twelve point nine. Yeah. Exactly, especially so if you compare it to that one, and you're watching a movie at night, uh, or you're playing a game that has dark colors at night, and you can really tell the difference there. Yeah, I mean that's it's next level, right? Like I'm not even yeah. thinking about. It. I don't even think about that because I've not had that experience <laughs> of an iPad myself, right? Because I I never got that uh, large one with the mini LED. Um, the last thing is Face ID. Now, I'll say like obviously I'm used to Face ID, and we're all used to uh, Touch ID on the iPad Mini, right? When we were using it, like it wasn't too much of a jump. Because, but, but I always think I'm fine with that because it's always in my hands. Now, with a bigger iPad, and you do use it in a Magic Keyboard um, when during the review, and I'm sure you did during the review process, do you miss Face ID more when the iPad is in like a stand and stuff than you do when no. it's in your hands? No, it's fine. I really? Just, uh, yeah, I just huh. touch the sensor one okay. time when I'm unlocking it, and that's it. It's it's okay. Face okay. ID is it's more convenient, sure, but like. If I were to pick the one thing that annoys me the most in this list, it's promotion. Uh, Face ID, sure, it's better, but also like I just need to reach out with my finger once, and that's it. So, so let's get into this bigger topic then. Mm -hmm. So, a couple of things. I'll read a couple of little quotes from you, and then we can talk about this. So, uh, one is, "What does Pro even stand for anymore?" Is one. Uh, another is it's the most balanced iPad in Apple's lineup. This is from your tweet about it. Now with iPad Pro performance, if mm-hmm. iPad OS 16 doesn't bring any new Pro features, I may switch to this. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, 
from your conclusion in the review. If 2022 goes by about major changes to the for the iPad Pro, no larger 15-inch version, no major changes to iPadOS for productivity, I may consider moving back to the iPad Air as a more affordable, compatible sidekick to the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Now, the quiet part in this, right, is, and again, like, I just, I wonder if people picked it up in the same way, is Sidekick 2. <laughs> now, what this suggests... Uh, you know how to read my stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. What this suggests is that Federico Fatici, the iPad uh, guru, mm. is at the point of breaking mm. with iPad OS. Because mm. basically, where I was, uh, like a year ago, Mm-hmm. where it was just like these Macs are really good and I really like them and I can do everything I want on them and like uh, David Sparks said, put it so perfectly right I keep referencing this um, in the Six Colors uh, report card of like I came to the same uh, he put it better it like helped to understand what the realization was that I'd had which was that I've got to stop trying to make the iPad something it clearly doesn't want to be you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, or, and also it seems like what Apple doesn't want it to be. Like, and I can, once I kind of accepted that, was happy to move. Sounds like you might be close to this. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's it's a very <laughs> loaded topic to unpack. Um, so the thing for me is I really don't want to do this. I I really would like I really would prefer to keep using iPad OS as my primary primary computing platform for a bunch of reasons uh the first of all the first one being what has always been the case for me which is I prefer the nature of the iPad as a computer that can be a laptop, can be a tablet, and has 5G built in. Like the portability and the modularity, I keep coming back to these two aspects of the iPad. And the Mac doesn't have those same traits. Like that's why I would really hate if if it comes down to this, that you know, it's just better for you if you just accept that iPadOS is not growing as quickly or in the direction that you would like it to grow. Because, I, again, I really would love to keep using the iPad and I don't want the iPad to become macOS. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to be realistic. And that's the thing. I have to be realistic uh, f- for a few reasons. Um Looking ahead, I would like to have in the future a proper office space mm-hmm. in my house for me, like like a real desk and real monitor and something that is more comfortable than having a small desk. You've seen my desk. It's very small. Or having to sit on the bed if I want to be more comfortable when I'm working during the day because it never feels like I, like I leave the bedroom, you know? Um, and and obviously I would love to have a comfy chair and a, and a big monitor in front of me and and you know have the proper ergonomics that don't hurt my neck and and my shoulders. Yep. And and there's so there's that like you gotta have a real office man at some point. And the other is the other is iPadOS. It, it feels like 
it's the pro- actual progress, like actual, n- like new features, not simplifications of existing features, but like actually new tools for pro users. It feels like they stopped two years ago when 13.4 and the magic, it was not even iOS 14, it was 13.4, and the magic keyboard came out with the pointer integration. And, and all those features. Now, obviously, you know, I get it. There was a pandemic. But the pandemic didn't stop macOS from having a bit of a revolution with Apple Silicon and, and Monterey and shortcuts and all these incredible things that Apple has done on macOS in the past two years. And I think what it might be worth saying, too, is like you're saying that they stopped adding new features, like well, it hasn't been a suffer a while, and then I'm sure some people would say, well, yeah, but they only really, really seem to do things every two years. All of this can be true. The problem yeah. was there's still been these, like, this feeling of not doing enough has been the same yeah. for nearly 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. this idea of, like, you could do a little bit more, you could go a little bit further, there is this you could add, this you could add. Like, there are all these things that are constantly, for people that really want to use it, to its full extent, would be able to point out and say, well, why don't you just add this feature? And they yeah. seem to begrudgingly add some of them sometimes. Yeah. And you know why, ultimately, it bothers me? It's the people saying, well, but it's the, all of this is normal. Uh, they do this every few years. But like, what if maybe I'm not okay with it anymore? And, and the reason is they are selling these devices as pro machines. So all these things that we are saying, they are not theoretical. They are selling a device called the iPad Pro. It's in the name, and they're charging for it, right? Like, Mm. it costs a lot of money. But what does it have that is really pro in the software that runs on it? And we're still here, you know... 11, 12 12 years later, still talking about proper external display support and having some sort of background utilities or having some sort of system-wide hotkeys for keyboard shortcuts that let you trigger things system-wide. And there's this dissonance between the hardware that you buy, that you pay good money for, the hardware that Apple sells you, so the iPad Pro, big one, Magic Keyboard, you know, you have a permanent accessory that you can use with your iPad Pro. There's a trackpad. There's all kinds of keyboard shortcuts. And then the software really does... I don't want to say that it does nothing for it because then again, you can, you can, you can be a uh, video maker, you can be a YouTuber, you can be an artist, you can take advantage of it. But for, you, you compare what macOS can do on the same chip Right, and that's the thing that gets me. You can spend a thousand dollars and get a MacBook Air with the same config of an iPad Air, because now the iPad Air also has the M1, and you have these two wildly different ends of possibilities mm-hmm. being offered to you, mm-hmm. and one feels like it's stuck to many years ago, and and here's why. This is so difficult for me right now because I still so strongly believe that the iPad is the computer for me, that iPadOS is the computer for me. But I also have a, 
a patient. You know, I'm, I'm also like, at some point, I am not an iPad, you know, uh, I, I'm not like, uh, I, I don't work for Apple. It's not my job mm -hmm. to defend the iPad, to cheer up the iPad team. Uh, I love the iPad and I would prefer to keep using it. But I also got to be realistic because I'm a busy person that likes to do a lot of different things. And therefore, I would require to have a computer that empowers me to do those multiple things in less time. Ultimately, it just comes down to that, right? And having been sort of uh, getting used to this MacBook Pro um, what, that, that Apple sent to me months ago, and I was very clear to them, and I told them, look, you know, it's going to take me a while to understand you know again after so many years working on mac os working on a macbook pro and you know coming up with an angle for a potential story and, and i'm i still feel like i am unlearning so many things from the past decade really that i've used an ipad almost exclusively uh, but i see what i can do on the mac and how and that's the other thing that i should mention how my readers and listeners are benefiting from the things that I'm doing on the Mac. Because I get so many comments from people saying, thank you for optimizing this shortcut on, on Mac OS, or thank you for writing about this Mac thing. Like, you know, I just, I, now I need to think about it. Because if iPad OS is not growing at all, then it becomes a question for me of what is the most, like, ultimately, what does your work benefit from the most in the computer that you use? Mm. And so uh, an iPadOS 15 was a particularly annoying release for me. Mm -hmm. Annoying in the sense that I understand why for a lot of people the work that Apple has done was actually great work. And I, I, like the simplification of multitasking, having you know the new way to trigger split view and slide over, the shelf for Windows, the keyboard shortcuts menu, I get it. But those features are not new features. Those are new, more intuitive ways to find, discover, and use existing stuff. In terms of what is actually new, very little, if nothing. So an iPadOS 14 was mostly the same. And at some point, I get tired of waiting. You know, that's all. And I, now that the M1 is on this iPad Air, it brought back all these questions and it made me wonder, we had all these hopes last year. Oh, you know, if Apple is bringing the M1 to the iPad Pro, surely it means something. Surely there's a bigger story. There's the other shoe to drop, which is this expression that people use. And I know, Mike, you love expressions. I love them, yeah. Yeah, so, but, you know, there ain't no shoe here. There's, there's nothing, really. The M1 is now the baseline on the iPad Air as well, and iPadOS does iPadOS things. So... And I, and I thought it's funny that Chris Lolly on YouTube, <laughs> we had no communication between the two of us whatsoever. Chris is a member of our Discord, but you know, I had a feeling that he was also uh, working 
on an iPad Air review, uh, but we didn't talk to each other or anything. Uh, but he, he, he approached this with the exact angle that I had in my story, only in video form. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's like, if iPadOS doesn't, 16 doesn't bring any changes here, I'm probably going to have to switch to the iPad Air and it's going to be fine. Do you have, like, what is the lowest amount? Like, they're going to do stuff, right? iPadOS 16 is going to have stuff. Mm-hmm. But what sure. is the, like, what do you need to see? Do you even know? Is it like I know yeah. it when I see it? Like you know. Well, there's a for sure. There's there's a component of that. Like you know it when you see it. Because maybe w- one common mistake that we make in our line of work as uh, commentators and users of of Apple stuff is wishing for things that are known quantities to you. But the reason we like Apple or that maybe some of us used to like Apple, is to be surprised when they give you something that you didn't know you needed and and then suddenly becomes something that you appreciate. Like, for example, universal control, right? That could be an example of, yeah, I guess I did not imagine this, but now that I have it, I kind of love it. But Uh at a bare minimum, um, I need to be able to plug an iPad Pro or like an iPad in general into an external display and have a proper extended display mode. Like, call it extended home screen. I don't know. You have the chip that supports it. You have the RAM for it. You have USB-C. You're making yourself a new display again. Uh, you can do it, right? Uh, I need to be able to, 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 to take this thing, use it as a tablet, use it as a laptop, or put it on my desk and plug it into a monitor. And it should work. Multitasking, um, I there there have to be ways to do more than just two apps at the same time, right? Especially on on the twelve on the thirteen inch iPad Pro. Like I let me do multiple columns. Let me do three apps at the same time. Let me do uh, n- new ways to like create uh, multiple. Um, like saved workspaces or whatever. Uh, just let me have some of the freedom that you have on macOS, but in in an iPad way. Uh, like even for example, in shortcuts right now, I could create a shortcut to split two apps, but it doesn't work with multiple windows. And it's those kinds of things that like let me let me give me the tools to make multitasking more of my own. And I would also mention you're selling a keyboard, right? Yeah. Uh, you're, yeah. And you're really pushing a keyboard uh, with a magic keyboard at, at checkout. <laughs> Let me assign system-wide keyboard shortcuts to anything I want, whether it's apps or uh, my own custom shortcuts, whatever. Let, let me do things from the keyboard system-wide. And finally, with this chip, and 8 gigs of RAM or even 16 gigs of RAM in some iPad Pros, I, will, uh, I feel like it's, it's time to have real background utilities on iPadOS. Uh, clipboard managers, apps to manage background audio, uh, stuff that runs in the background. Uh, like you can have menu bar apps on, on macOS, for example. Uh, of course, it'll have to be done differently on iPad, uh, but it's it's getting exhausting 
to always work with this mindset of, oh, what you the app you're using must be in the foreground or at the very least very recently used and that's you know that was okay 10 years ago now it's not okay anymore because then i don't that's the thing i don't believe you anymore because i see the uh, the same chip and the same amount of ram being able to power completely different experiences on the other platform so you could have made that excuse 10 years ago. Now I just don't believe you anymore. I don't think you're going to get what you want. I know. I know. But I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. I would love to be surprised. Maybe there are other things. You know, this is part of, part of the reason why I like Apple stuff is sometimes they listen and they understand the, the core of the idea of something that you want, and they give that to you in a different way. And a lot of the a lot of times that's fine and that totally works. So maybe when they hear background utilities, they will come up with something else. Like I don't know, uh -huh. control center extensions. I don't know. You know, like like they put a different spin on it. And that's why, again, why a lot of us like Apple stuff. Yeah. Uh, because they have their own unique way to do things that you thought you wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, then there's also another thing that I would like to point out is the the hardware aspect, which is, but I guess we're going to get to this after the break. I would love to get a bigger iPad Pro. Like I think it's time to go above and beyond 13 inches with the iPad Pro. 15, 16, I don't know, maybe even more. All right, we should we should just carry on having this conversation. Just roll these, roll these two topics into each other, but mm -hmm. let me take our second break first. And thank our friends over at Text Expander for their support of this show. You can keep everything consistent and accurate with Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging can have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every single team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, so everyone stays consistent, current, and accurate. With Text Expander, you can get your message right every time. You expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes, so your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste i use text expander every single day like you know we talk about using uh, our macs i love having text expander open and available to me all the time wherever i want to use it and it's right there in every single app that i use on my mac and i adore it for that because i get my I have a bunch of things that I spell wrong all the time. Federico, I cannot spell the word restaurant. It doesn't matter how many times I attempt to try and get it correctly. I can never get it correctly. So I got Text Expander to help me. And it just it will just fix it for me because I, I put the A's and the U's all over the place in that word. Who could tell? Um, and I also love that we have these things shared in Relay FM, so we can keep up to date with things that we send out to companies that we work with. We have all our sponsor copy in there in case we need to fire it off somewhere. It's amazing. As a listener of Connected, you can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander today. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to TextExpander for the support of this show and Relay FM. So let's roll right into this conversation I wanted to have mm. with you about studio because you you really you you put like a little idea explosion in my brain last week <laughs> about just the word studio and then you posted a great tweet um, you said okay Apple people <laughs> like oh that, man I didn't see the numbers on this tweet wow okay okay Apple people hear me out all right you said <laughs> iPad studio 
big drawing canvas, multi-column, multitasking, uh, iPod Studio, high-res player and DAC, obviously, for Apple devices, HomePod Studio, giant speaker, long live hi-fi. Yeah. Oh, 1,543 likes. People agree with you, for sure, because it's a great tweet. And it kind of got me thinking uh, about Studio a little bit more. Now, in the PC space, there has been a lot of... Um, Mm-hmm. hardware being made for creators yep. recently. Like loads of companies are making products in the creator space. And it feels like it's this new era, like area for product marketing. You know, we had consumer, we had pro, there's a bit of prosumer was a thing for a while, but then creators because content creation is a type of work that requires quite specific stuff especially if you're doing it on your own it needs as much power as you can throw at it while being light and portable where it can be if it's a laptop so you can know people can move it around it could be maybe a bit more rugged i don't know but also be attractive like good looking because a lot of this stuff is going to be on camera this is good for people that need it and it's also really nice aspirationally you know like hey i want to be a content creator i'm going to get the content creator's computer so i think that's what the studio line I think this is going to be where Apple's going to aim this. They have regular, studio, and pro. And mm-hmm. studio is going to be part of their, like, for creators yeah. products. Now, obviously, yeah. the Mac Studio, very powerful. But Apple is marketing it the same way that they always do at video creators and audio creators. And I think that they're going to continue pushing that as a thing. And I believe over time, that's where we're going to end up. Because don't forget, there's going to be a Mac Pro and it's going to be bigger and more powerful and more expensive. So I think we're going to end up with like regular Studio Pro. And I think Studio will find its way into lots of our products like you recommended. You know, we were talking about uh, AirPods Max. They may have been called Studio. That would make way more sense, right? They were called Studio. And I could imagine this becoming a thing that they use in lots of places. So going back to what we were just talking about, you know, you say like a bigger iPad. Would that, you think that would be iPad Studio? I possibly. I think so. Uh, because, because I feel like if this is the angle that they're going for for the studio branding, and I think you're right, I think the you know content creators as as much as I really despise the the expression I create content because everything is content, sort of like it's it's you know everything is my life is content. Yeah, but it's like nothing it's, I can it's, do about it now. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's like oh, I'm just churning out content. I am a content farm over here. Yeah, it's sucks but it, you know you get the it idea suck though it's kind of great but yeah i know what you're saying it's like that weird push and pull it's not just the word i, I the don't word like. yeah yeah it you know i've me... come around to creator as a thing create no you know? creator is great creator is great ah, it's content. content everything i do is just you know what it is it's content and it's you know it's it's articles you it's, know what i think you have like like you're having bad connotations back to content consumption device. I think that's mm. I think oh, that's like be, ringing around in your brain. It could be. It could be. But anyway, creator is great, and you know, creativity is a, it's it's a great word, which is why ultimately, like I, I use this expression as well because it gives you the idea, and I love creators. I'm a, I'm a creator myself, and we all are over here. So, but I think you're right. Um, if studio is for content creators, um. An iPad Studio would be aimed at content creators of different kinds uh, for a few reasons. It would be excellent for artists. 
you know, people who create content that, you know, they, and they need to draw on the screen with a pencil. Imagine having this big, beautiful canvas that, you know, you have a giant Procreate or a giant Photoshop, and that would be excellent. If they ever come around to doing a version of Final Cut or Logic uh, on, on iPad OS, that is not, you know, iMovie, um, it would be great to have that on a big screen and to have, you know, uh, multi-touch controls for a timeline or for, you know, multiple tracks on, on, a, on a bigger iPad Pro. It would be excellent for academics or for people like me, for writers who do tons of research and you want to have Safari open and you want to have, you know, Notes or Obsidian, you want to have your text editor, you want to have these multiple sources and you're using multi-touch and you're moving things around sort of minority report style, but it's on iPadOS. And so... Studio as a way to justify here's a giant iPad for you, I think it would make a lot of sense. And it would also give Apple an excuse. If Apple is listening, here's here's my pitch for you. This would be great for you because it would fit the studio branding that you appear to be doing, you know, with these two products that you've just announced. You would be able to charge money for it. Because a bigger iPad Pro would demand a much higher price. But you would also be able to charge for a new line of accessories, right? Wildly expensive accessories, like a bigger Magic Keyboard, maybe a desktop stand that lets you do things like tilting back the iPad Pro, you know, sort of like Surface Studio style. Uh, you could have maybe other, uh, other drawing accessories, joining Apple Pencil for... Uh, artists, uh, you know, the dial that, that Microsoft did for the stu for the Surface Studio comes to mind. You could do something along those lines, like having a bigger screen, a bigger display that is actually an iPad Studio. You would be able to make money in a bunch of different ways. Now, is there an audience for it? Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't work at Apple. <laughs> I cannot say, but I know that I would love to have one, like uh, an, an iPad Pro. An iPad Studio that is 16 inches or even, I don't know, 24 inches seems to be asking for a lot. <laughs> but Hey, it turns out that Studio Display is actually an iPad. Exactly. But like a 16-inch iPad yeah. Studio, that's like the iPad of my dreams. And yeah, it would... Uh, I think it would be terrific to see iPadOS grow into those dimensions, you know, to have a split view with four apps at a time, uh, to do, you know, picture-in-picture picture for all, like picture-in-picture picture for apps, not just for videos. Like, there's so much opportunity here, and, and this is why I'm so... I'm, I'm still optimistic. I'm optimistic and sad at the same time. Uh. Because, like, there's so much potential here. Like, no, no, Microsoft tried, but they don't have the ecosystem of uh, creative apps and developers that, that you have with the App Store, right? And to have an iPad, uh, an iPad Studio of that size with the App Store ecosystem that you have, uh, with shortcuts built in, and with the incredible performance of the M1 and, you know, the M2, I suppose, in the future... Man, that would be an incredible device if only they believed in it. And well, here's my challenge for you, right? Because mm. um, you you said earlier, like, oh, if they released something like this, I've read it from your review, they would you would feel commit like there's a commitment, right? Yes, that's all but, I want to see, really. 
but what if they just do for this the same that they've done for the smaller iPad Pro? Like, it's 16 inches. You can run two apps side by side, and they oh, are God. now like two full-size 12.9-inch <laughs> oh, no. iPad apps side by side, oh. and you can do slide over. But hey, it's a big one. Because oh. you can see that, right? Oh, I could see that. And yeah. they're just like, well, it's bigger. You can put yeah. more on it. It's bigger. But when they've done the two sizes of iPad Pro, that's the difference between them. It's just like you can just see more of the app. Yeah. Um, and that would be a conversation that we would need to have. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, it's like two 12.9 in iPad apps side by side. We should put them in portrait mm-hmm. mode. What a wasted opportunity. Like, right? but, but if uh, that's what they do, that's not it, right? Just doing not this. Not completely. Not completely. Because it needs d- to be basically, to I be can both. see this scenario incredibly easily. I yeah, you're right. Right? Where they're just like right. it's the iPad experience you know, now with an even bigger screen. Yeah, that would be that would be bad because that the, 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 the one <laughs> that's one way the, to put it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing that that I think Apple should understand here is we're all pretty much in agreement that they got they have the hardware story pretty figured out at this point, especially on the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. What an incredible piece of hardware! The thing is, we. Uh, Steve Trouton Smith put it really well in, in a tweet yesterday where um, Steve said uh, the iPad evolves in fits and starts. Yes. And, and that's really it. Like, oh, you get one year of updates and then nothing and then something else again and then nothing. It's like, I think it would be better to have a con- constant progress. You know, always, maybe an Apple has sort of this obsession for big splashy releases which look i totally get it i people in discord make fun of me because i like to do these big announcements and surprises and spring them on people so i get <laughs> you know i get it you know i'm that no type one of likes guy. a surprise like federico you know exactly exactly so like i get it i get it but in this case, when you know you are the platform owner and you have an established foundation, mm-hmm. maybe it's better to have a constant rollout of things. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine, imagine if you know it, it kind of reminds me in a way of when developers switch to a subscription model for an app. You don't expect the big splashy releases every six months or every year. You expect constant progress, right? Mm-hmm. Which I would like to see Apple do more and more. And and the thing that in this case is the problem for the iPad is iPadOS and iPad hardware need to go hand in hand a little more. A lot more. Not a little. A lot more. A lot yeah. more. A lot more. Um, so if they do a big iPad Pro, it's like, here you go. It's... 16 inches iPad Studio, great, but you can only do two apps at a time. <laughs> that would be that would be terrible, honestly. But I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I, all this to say, if Studio is an excuse to try new form factors, 
to try new software features, yep. do it. Great, do it. I really feel like there's a market for it. There's a lot of excitement for Mac Studio. There's a lot of excitement for the studio display. Yep. And I feel like iPad... I mean, in the tweet that, that you mentioned that I sent, obviously iPod Studio and HomePod Studio... Like HomePod Studio maybe a little less, but iPod Studio was a bit of a joke. You know, yes. They're never going to do an iPod Studio. HomePod Studio I could maybe. sort of see, but not really. But iPad Studio like was the real one. Uh, that was that was the way I structured the tweet. You get mm-hmm. people in with a serious concept, and then you slide in the jokes, which is also like a uh, like the motto of Connected, I guess. Um, I guess so. So, uh, I did have one one other thought about Studio that it could also apply to software, and I was yes. thinking of like Logic Studio and Final Cut Studio, which they should just be called huh. that now anyway because it makes more sense. And then I thought, oh, but what if these are the iPad OS versions? Uh, huh. I could see Final Cut when it comes to iPad uh, be not called Final Cut Pro 10 yep. or whatever but be called Final Cut Studio it used to be called Final Cut Studio right it used to yep. be called that mm-hmm. when it was like a million dollars and you would get like a hundred things and it came in a huge box and then they yeah. renamed it to Pro when they split it out I think and put it on the App Store yeah so in conclusion, uh, before we move on to a to a, a fun unrelated topic, yeah. In conclusion, uh, I would really love to keep using the iPad. I love the iPad. I love iPadOS. I, 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 at this point, I am invested into the iPad platform because a lot of people have gotten to know me because of it. Right? I, I am. I should be thankful to the iPad, and and I am, because it allowed me to get work done when I couldn't use a Mac, and it allowed me to reach a ton of people. And I want to keep using it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also human, and getting tired of having these conversations over and over, every single time. And I would love to see, because I know that Apple cares about it, but it cares about it in a in an inconsistent way, you know? And and especially the software team needs to be more I don't know, faster, more more constant. Uh, I don't really know what the problem is. Honestly, it could just be more enabled. Like let them do maybe more. Maybe they're, they're not allowed to do all this, you know? Right, we don't know what the problem is. We can't uh-huh. know what the problem is. Um, I'm sure there are internal discussions and tensions, right, regarding like, well, if you do these things on iPadOS, then will people buy MacBook Pros? Like, I'm sure those conversations internally take place. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as iPad Pro users, I feel like we deserve a little more. Yeah, and I would say, like, I was thinking about this too, over the last couple of days, I, I would never assume that hope or hope could be lost, you know, because it really felt like that with the Mac. Like, it felt like all mm-hmm. hope was lost with the Mac, you know. And then they very clearly and publicly restated, like, re kind of stated their mission. And then now, you know, what, everything they're doing on the Mac right now is unbelievable, right? Like, yes. they're just like. You, in ways we never could have imagined even like four years ago like they're just they're knocking it out of the park time after time and it just seems like we're going to get like another year 
two years of that, right? Like yep. more new hardware stuff we've never seen before. Like, you know, really wild stuff. Like they just created a whole new product class for the yep. Mac, right? Like yep. who would have assumed that they would ever make the mythical mid-range tower, right? And they've done it in 2022. Like this is like <laughs> 15 years after people were wanting this product. So like I 100% believe that they have the ability at any point to be like, okay, we're doing it over again, right? Like, yes. Here we go. We're starting from the start. This is how it's going to go. Um, but I don't think it's yet. And like, I, you know, if I were you, I would be setting myself up for like, all right, let's think about this differently. Because it's yep. not like you have to be like, all right, well, I can't do any more work on the iPad now. Like uh, a friendship ended with iPad. No, it's Mac not that. Mac is best friend, you know? It's, it's not that. You it's can just d- like mix it up a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe not consider yourself primarily iPad or iPad first uh, and be more of a Mike Hurley or a Jason Snell in this. Um, but that would that, but that for you would be a big change. Yeah, no, that, maybe, that's, you know. that's really what I've been doing. Like the past few months have been really months of 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 change. If I were to pick a, a yearly theme for Cortex, it would oh, be the it. year of Do change. Yeah. Really. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm yeah. changing a lot of things mm-hmm. in my life, and which is why you can expect a lot of surprises from me mm-hmm. this oh, year. Starting tomorrow, I have a anything, big one dropping tomorrow. He, and, yeah, Federico will just like, you know, he will change his life completely if it allows him to surprise you more, you know? Yes. He just wants to surprise everyone. You do it all for the content, man. It, it's all <laughs> you are a content creator. You do it for, you do it for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, I have been dipping my toes into many waters recently. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been using the Mac more. And I've been learning a lot in the process. And um, it, it's not about, oh, you know, about having these big announcements. Like, I have stopped using the iPad. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's if you more were of a, a YouTuber, you would definitely do that. <laughs> with a with a shocked face in the, <gasps> in the thumbnail, it's like <gasps> the, <laughs> no, and the iPad's but, broken in half. <laughs> uh, but as you said, it's more like uh, I can you I can balance it out by using mm-hmm. the Mac more, having the uh, still using the iPad. But then, of course, I would love. Uh, I, I should be honest, and I should say this: I would love to be swept away. By a magical iPad Studio and mm-hmm. an iPad OS 16 that has incredible power user features, and I would fall, I would fall in love all over again, and you know, and and the romance would start anew with the iPad. But we'll see, we'll see. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful, the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web to help you generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Hey, we're content creators, <laughs> and as content creators, <laughs> we want to make the content. But hey, sometimes, basically all the time, we need to get paid for the content. And a great way to do that is to have content that is available for members. And that is what we do here at Relay FM. Federico does it as well with Mac Stories. And Memberful is a platform that we use to help power all of that. Memberful make it really super incredibly easy to generate the extra revenue stream and deliver bonus content to our members in ways that work for us. So here at Relay FM and with Connected Pro, we use Memberful to deliver a members-only version of the show which has extra content in it, it has no ads in it, and that is a great thing that we can offer to our members and then we receive 
money for that because our members want to pay us they want to get that content they want to help support the show and it means that we're able to diversify our revenue not rely solely on advertising or other means of income like merch and stuff like that we get like another pillar and that's amazing memberful helps us diversify our income with everything needed to run a membership program you can have included like custom branding you can put on there so we can make it look like your own you can have gift subscriptions apple pay free trials private podcasts and tons more whilst leaving you with full control and ownership of everything Everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And you know, I don't want to speak for Federico, but like I know one of the things that Federico has, because I think you use them for API, right? Like it ties in with the systems that you have as well. So yep. you have a lot of flexibility yep. about how much you want to use. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the great things about Memberful. You can even send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can have all of these on your own members-only website so people can go and look at the past issues. There's no fee when you sign up for Memberful's Pro or Premium plans, so you're going to save money as well compared to popular hosted email newsletter platforms. If you are a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize your passion. Get started for free at memberful.com slash connected with no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash connected. Go there now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for the support of this show and Relay FM. So, mm. Federico Vatici. Yes. What you got for me? I got a Steam Deck. Yeah, you did. That's the thing with all the buttons, right? That all the nerds love these days. No, that's it's the, the thing. And you press stream, it. Stream. That's the Stream Deck. No, no, it's the one you press it and the shortcut happens, right? That's the Steam Deck. Yes. <laughs> I got the foot pedal. Okay. <laughs> I got the valve foot pedal. I got the the valve foot pedal. Uh, <laughs> I got I got the Steam Deck console. Uh-huh. Portable console. The video game um, console made the video by game console. people. Yes. What do you want to know? I got it a few... So I should say, I got it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I haven't played a lot with it because I was okay. finishing the iPad Air review. But I have been tweaking stuff. I played uh, Elden Ring on it and I have okay. tried a bunch of different things so I can, I can talk about it. I have questions on hardware and questions on software. So start okay. with hardware. How does it feel in the hand? Because that thing, I remember when it was announced, it looked like an ergonomic nightmare to me, honestly. It's a big boy. Uh-huh. It's a big boy of a console. Um, it ta- so it's not as uh, immediately comfortable as a Nintendo Switch. If you approach it as a Nintendo Switch, you're going to have a bad time because it's longer. It's much longer than a Nintendo hmm. Switch and it's heavier than a Nintendo Switch. However, I'll and say thicker this. thicker too, right? It's thicker, mm. but they have done some really cool things in, term, in terms of distributing the weight of the console so that it's not heavy in the center of the console. And also, if you place it on a desk, the, like, the central area, so you, know, you get the controller on the left and the controller on the right, but in the middle... It doesn't, it's raised from a desk so the air can flow underneath it. And it's very cool. Like there's space underneath it when you place it on a desk. Uh, And that's because like, I think they have basically stuffed a lot of hardware at the sides of the console. Uh, So it's, it's long and it's a big boy, but it like, I got used to it. The, 
things that I'm not so sure about is the placement of the D-pad, which is all the way in the top left corner of the left side of the console, um, and these two virtual touchpads that they have. Uh, I thought that those two square-shaped touchpads were supposed to show me a, a, like a virtual cursor, like a, like a virtual mouse. Mm -hmm. um, but instead, they are touch uh, surfaces, but they also act like a directional pad, which meaning that they have up, down, left and right presses. It's, it's very hard to describe. Um, the other thing I, I didn't know, I didn't remember, there are additional triggers in the back of the console. So on the right side, you have R4 and R5, and on the left side, you have L4 and L5. This can be remapped to something else. Uh, I haven't remapped those buttons yet, okay. uh, but only one of them is easy to access for my hands and the way that I uh, trigger uh, this tr triggers in the back. They're, um, they're like actual, are they actual switches? Like, they're, or are they're, they they're, they're not bumpers. Like they don't, uh, they're not like R2 and L2. That They're not like you need to press them to slide them down. They're just buttons. Um, okay, but they're actual physical buttons, these ones. Yeah, right? they are. They are Because there's a buttons. lot of buttons on this thing. Like a lot yeah, buttons, and sorry. then you have, so the, two, the other two things that, hmm, the thing about the grip Steam Deck buttons is, that, is what it says on their website is what they are. What they what they're called? Grip buttons. Yeah, it's kind of like that because you're yeah. you're, you're gripping the, the the two sides of the console and you can feel them like with uh -huh. your pinky finger or your ring finger. Yeah. But only one of them is easy to access for me. The other one, I kind of need to move my hand in an awkward position okay. and I don't like it. Um, you have these two other front facing buttons that I want to talk about. The Steam button on the left side, and the quick settings button on the right side. <laughs> so the Steam button does a lot of things um, depending on whether you press it or you uh, basically long press it and hold. So if you hold, it gives you a cheat sheet of all the combinations of basically like shortcuts that you can use with it's basically like imagine if the steam button is the command key on an apple keyboard it's oh, okay. a, it's a modifier yeah. so for example you can do steam plus uh, r1 and you take a screenshot or you can do steam and x and you show the keyboard like there are dozens of keyboard shortcuts like i call them keyboard shortcuts they are steam shortcuts that are based on pressing the steam button and That's something cool. else i like that it's cool but for example in Elden Ring, when you take a screenshot and you do Steam R1, the R1 button is still triggered. So you take a screenshot, but then you also attack. Whoops. Yeah. There's that. Okay. And you know, maybe if you are in, a, in, a, in an area and you are doing you know, your stealth thing and you don't mm -hmm. want to attack but you want to take a screenshot well then now the enemies are gonna notice you so right. and maybe i'm doing this wrong i don't know but so all these shortcuts i need to memorize them you can discover them by pressing the steam by long pressing the steam button if you just click it once 
you get the Steam menu. And this is what you use to what you use to navigate like system-wide between your library, the store, settings, your friends, and you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice how easy it is to to jump back um, into your library or into the store view of Steam. Um, and when you go into the library, uh, they do a decent job at showing you like, here's all the games that you own and here's the games that have been specifically optimized for the deck. Mm. And they show you this like subsection called Great on Deck. And uh, for example, Elden Ring is is, is included as is uh, Portal... And I don't remember. I I have like of the ten games that I own on Steam, like four or five are optimized for the right. deck at the moment. Okay. And the quick settings button I wanted to mention. So the one on the right, it's the three dots that shows you like it's it's like uh, the Steam Deck's version of Control Center, right? It's, it's quick settings for things like brightness, Wi-Fi, and the most important one, the performance area. So in the performance area. You get, uh, you can tweet. There's a basic view and there's an advanced view, and the advanced view is where I've been spending uh, a, a lot of time to understand battery life and performance. So, the thing about the deck is, uh, if you try and play a game like Elden Ring at uh, full screen, you know, native resolution, the deck is a 720p console. Uh, if you play a 720p uh, with high settings, not maximum, but high settings, you're going to get about an hour and, and a half, an hour and 40 minutes out of the deck on battery power, right? Uh, but you're playing a PC game yeah. at yeah, high settings. Yeah, you know, you're playing a full open world game like Elden Ring uh-huh. at high graphical settings on a portable thing. And of course, you can plug it in at any time, and you can use a U- any USB-C adapter above seventy watt delivery, I think, and it's gonna power your deck. In the performance tab, you can choose you can choose a couple of things. First of all, you can choose how many details you want to see. There's a there's a Steam Deck performance overlay. So for those who are used to playing uh, games on PC, uh, you can you may have seen also videos on YouTube. You can enable all kinds of overlays that show you additional information about the game you're playing. Things like frame rates, how much RAM is being used, how much your GPU is being used at the moment, uh, you know, uh, CPU consumption and temperatures. Right? You want to keep an eye on the temperatures for your CPU and your GPU. Uh, you can choose how much detail you want to see on the Steam Deck. You can see nothing at all, or you can just see the frame rates, or you can see the they have this slider that lets you choose how much detail you want to see. And I keep it at two uh, so that I can see... Uh, well, I either keep it at one or two. One is just frames per second. Two shows me, and that's because I, I wanted to get these details for connected. It shows me... Um, uh, internal resolution, uh, GPU temperature, and whether FSR is being used or not. And this is the thing I wanted to get into. So FSR, it's uh, so AMD's super resolution. It's basically upscaling, right? It's it's based on like these fancy algorithms and machine learning, and it's a technology that lets you uh, run a game at a lower resolution. And the software 
is going to upscale the game for you. The idea is, and NVIDIA has a version of this called DLSS, I, be SS, I believe, um, and FSR, it's native to the Steam Deck, and all games can use it. And you do this by, it's kind of confusing. You have to manually lower the resolution of a game. So, for example, in Elden Ring, I had to manually go from 720p to 800 by, by 600. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you go into the performance menu and you say, uh, you know, FSR, you slide it all the way to the, you know, to the top of the slider. And you say, you know, you, you can choose the, the sharpening quality. But at that point, the FSR feature kicks in. And so even if you're playing a game technically at a lower resolution, FSR is going to try to upscale the game and make it look better for you. In practice, so I've done this. AMD Fidela EFX Super Resolution. Thank you. That's the name. Um, in practice, I was able to upscale Elden Ring from the lowest possible resolution with FSR I gained something like 15, 20 minutes of battery. Oh. And I went from uh, 30... So Elden Ring, this is the other thing I want to get into, the performance. Elden Ring on the Steam Deck, uh, it can run at a pretty solid 30 to 35 frames per second on hey, high that's, settings. That's pretty good, you know. It's pretty It's That's very pretty good. good. Uh, it's not maximum settings. It's not 60 frames per second. And you get a hour and a half of battery hey, you're playing Elden Ring on high on a portable console. Uh, with FSR, the image quality is, of course, you know, it's upscaling. It doesn't look as good as the native 720p. But you, you gain a few minutes of extra gameplay and the frame rate jumped from 30 to 35 to 40 to 45 mm. because the GPU is being tasked less. Right, because the, uh, the you know the game is saying, "Hey, I'm supposed to render this scene at this lower resolution," but the software kicks in and says, "Well, I'm gonna upscale this for you using my fancy algorithms." So that was cool to see. I think personally, I'm gonna take the performance hit and still play with the native settings, right, without FSR enabled. Uh, and also, Elden Ring, it's a pretty demanding game. It's got these huge open areas and, and very detailed scenes. Uh, but something like Tunic, for example, or these indie games, you know, like uh, Wilder Myth from Steam, for example, uh, those e like graphically easier games, mm -hmm. I think they're going to be excellent to play on Steam Deck. Um, and I don't know, uh, what other questions do you have? How are you playing it? Like, are you actually playing it handheld? When you are, are you resting it on something? Do you play it plugged in? Like, I'm intrigued. Uh, well, I I played handheld uh, without resting on on anything. Okay. Um, after when I was like when when he was saying like uh, 30, 40 percent battery left, I plugged in the USB C cable. I now have a USB cable by my nuts nightstand that I can use for a bunch of things, uh, charging my iPad, charging game controllers, and whatever. I can plug the Steam Deck in and 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 it charges while I play. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing handheld and it's it's fine. But is it comfortable though? Like, do you actually? Because earlier you mentioned about you can put it down when you're playing. But 
Are you actually playing it, like holding in your hands for like two hours? And do you find that a comfortable experience? Yeah, I think it was pretty much fine. Like, I guess I rest my elbows on my lap so that it's not like I'm holding the console and I'm not resting my elbows on anything. So it's easier to hold it that way. Right, like so, I'm holding the Steam Deck. I got my elbows on my lap, and uh-huh. so I got a surface to you know to place my arms basically, and it's easier that way. And same on my desk. Like like now, for example, I'm sitting at my desk. I got my elbows on my desk, so that if I'm holding something, like I'm yeah. holding this bottle of water right now, I can feel the weight, but it's not terrible because my elbows are resting on the surface. Um, what else? Uh, okay. I got some. I got. I had some problems with Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, uh, this is the other the, the the one thing I will mention. SteamOS is a Linux based operating system. Yep. And it you can you can tell the underlying Linux nature of this thing if you go poke at places you're you know that reveal what's underneath. Uh, in my case. I was Googling around, like, my, my Steam Deck was constantly dropping Wi-Fi. And this is particularly problematic in Elden Ring because when you play online, you're supposed to always have an active, uh, like, a, an active internet connection so that you can leave message to other players and you can, you know, there's some uh, web-based stuff going on in Elden Ring and you need to always have an internet connection. If you don't, the game kicks you out and uh, it's kind of terrible. So I googled around and basically I needed to go into develop into the settings of the console, enable developer mode, and once developer mode was enabled, I had to turn off an option called the Wi-Fi power savings, uh, which appears to be a setting that Valve enabled by default to let the Steam Deck basically use less ba- battery by turning off Wi-Fi. But in doing that, my console was disconnecting from Wi-Fi too often. And so I, you know, of course, there were people on Reddit with the same problem and that fixed it. Another thing I will mention, once I, the first time I got it, it connected to, you know, I logged in with my Steam account and it downloaded a bunch of updates from, from, you know, the Steam cloud. And it ran through those updates and everything was fine. Then I went into settings and it told me, uh, you have to perform an additional round of firmware updates. And the console told me, like, uh, you're going to see, like, I believe it was like, like, that was the literal language. Like, you're going to see a scary black screen. Don't worry, that's normal. We are updating the firmware. Right. And I, I sent you the pictures of what I saw. It was a, a portrait message with this like terminal font yeah. that said, please do not remove the AC power. And it was like current BIOS model name, new BIOS model name. Like it was like Chachani Van Gogh. It, it was a Linux firmware update, like firm, flash firmware tool that was super scary. And I was like, I was staring at it and thinking, Nintendo would never do this on a Nintendo Switch. You yep. would never see this kind of thing. So this to say, the Steam Deck is at this point an enthusiast console, right? It's for yes. people who are really into Steam and really into PC gaming and would love to have that experience on the go. Uh-huh. 
Oh, would you put Windows on it? No, no. Okay. I was I was watching the uh, Linus um, was doing some um, Linus Linus Tech Tips. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, tech Tips. Yes, I uh, was doing uh, did a video. Uh, it did some really excellent. They've been doing some really excellent um, Steam Deck coverage. Yeah, uh, and uh, they did a video about like not installing Windows on the Steam Deck, and it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that because of all the like weird firmware stuff, drivers that were not ready, drivers that were not optimized for Steam Deck. I believe Valve has since released a few updates, but I feel like, and all of this will be clear more in tomorrow's surprise episode of Unwind. But I feel oh, like at this point, I know what uh, that is. you know, you are, know. you were, you uh-huh. were, I told John. So we are literally going to put out an episode called Federico's Surprise. Okay. And I told John on the show that you were the only person who knew about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more will be clear tomorrow. But I am fine with leaving the default vanilla Steam OS on the Steam Deck. I don't need to put Windows on it. I want to see what it looks like by default for most people. So yeah. you could put Windows on it, but I don't really want to. I am going to put emulators on it, though. I am going to... Okay. Uh, because you, you, can, you can enter, like, without having to install anything else, you can enter, like, a proper Linux uh, UI, and from there you can manually install packages. And I want to install Dolphin emulator on of it. Of course. Um, to see what it looks like on, yeah. the, on the Steam Deck. Well, I'm very keen to hear how this progresses, your Steam mm-hmm. Deck experiences. Yeah, so me too. We'll me too. And it's, it's nice because um, everything syncs with the cloud and with the Steam Cloud. And Valve, they, uh, they're trying to do, you know, trying to sort of mimic the experience of a Nintendo Switch where you can suspend the console at any time. But of course, you know, when you play something like Elden Ring and you need to have a a cloud save in your Steam account, they're trying to do things where they always try to upload your latest save when you suspend the console. And I don't feel safe doing it personally right now. So when I'm playing on the Steam Deck, I always like save, manually quit the game, wait for the game to stop in the Steam UI, make sure that it says uh, cloud save updated, and then I turn off the, I suspend the console and I put it to sleep. That's a lot. Because uh, it, it's an early feature and, you know, it's the, the first take on this. So, you know, got to be careful. All right, if you would like to hear Federico and I talk more about gaming stuff, if that's your thing, uh, you can go to getconnectedpro.co. We spoke, spoke about some games in Connected Pro uh, that we're playing today. And of course, we do uh, host a video game podcast here on Relay FM, a monthly show with Shahid uh, Ahmad about uh, video games called Remaster. You mm-hmm. can check it out for yourself at relay.fm slash remaster if that is your scene you may enjoy it but get connectedpro.co and you can get longer ad free versions of every single episode of connected which is either five dollars a month fifty dollars a year please go check it out thank you if you do and also thanks to our sponsors this week indeed text expander and member four if you want to find federico online you can go to maxstories.net and he is at Vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Stephen, we'll be back next week. If, in the, if you really miss him in the meantime, he's uh, 512pixels.net and at ISMH on Twitter. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Connected. 
Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios. Goodbye. Bye, y'all. Love y'all. Whatever he says. iPhone. iPhone. iPhone.